All right, I'm going to jump into part three of our overflow series, part three of our overflow series. In 2001, there was a movie that came out called Bubble Boy. Yeah. I think it was inspired by Seinfeld. Remember that episode of Seinfeld with the bubble boy? Yeah. And Costanza killed him by accidentally popping the bubble, you know. It's terrible, but it's funny at the same time. So the movie Bubble Boy is about this kid who was born with no immune system. Yeah. And so he was shielded. He was kept in this bubble his entire life. And when he became a young adult, he broke out of the bubble to, because of love, basically. He was in love with a woman. She was getting married at Niagara Falls. He escaped from his home. His parents were trying to keep him in the bubble. But he, he tried to fight his way in the world while still in the bubble. So he's in the bubble, but he's outside of the house. He's trying to move forward in life, but from within the bubble. Yeah. He's trying to attack the world, but from within the bubble. Yeah. And it's not to the end where he finally is reunited with the woman he loves, and he realizes that in order to give love a chance, he has to escape the bubble. And so he believes he's going to die as soon as he gets out of the bubble, but he doesn't care because he loves this woman so much. So he breaks out of the bubble. He embraces her. They kiss. And then he falls to the ground expecting to die and then realizes he's fine. Realizes that life was waiting for him outside of the bubble. Now, some of you listening this morning, watching this morning from wherever you are, you've been in a bubble yeah. for many years. Yeah. And you've even been trying to attack the world from within the bubble. Yeah. You've lived in a bubble of fear. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. And God wants to break you out of that bubble of fear today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what is preventing you from entering into the life of overflow that God has for you and experiencing the prosperity that God has destined you for yeah. is your bubble of fear. Let's pray. Father, speak to us today, I pray, by the power of your word and spirit, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. So much in Proverbs chapter 3 is awesome. But I want to focus on verse 9 and 10 for a moment this morning. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your harvest. So shall your barns overflow or be filled to overflow. And your vats shall burst with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your harvest. So shall your barns be filled to overflowing. And your vats shall burst with new wine. I would like to suggest to you that you've been looking at this passage of scripture all wrong. Because the only thing we take from this is that you're supposed to tithe. You got to honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits. And the only time, honestly, the only time I've ever heard this taught or taught it is to answer the question, should I tithe on my gross or my net? (laughs) And so because we think that the only thing this verse means is that if I honor God with my tithe and my offerings, then I can expect blessing We have generations of believers who are financially disillusioned because you've been given your tithe. Some of you have been given your tithe for decades and your barns are still empty. And then you come to church and we give you another teaching. But if you keep honoring the Lord with your tithe, your barns are going to be filled with plenty. And you've been, we we missed the point. We missed the point of this whole passage. Let me tell you what this passage means. 
Let me give you the, the proper context for this passage. Here's what this passage means. Go out to your field and plow the soil. And after you've plowed the soil, sow the seed. And after you've sowed the seed, water the seed. And after you've watered the seed, gather the harvest. And after you've gathered the harvest, honor the Lord with your substance. And with the first fruits of your, in, your increase. Yeah. And then next year, go out to the field and plow. Yeah. And after you've plowed, sow the seed. Yeah. And after you've sowed the seed, water the seed. And after you've watered the seed, watch what happens to your next harvest. Huh. Your barns are going to be filled with plenty. And your vats are going to overflow with new wine. In other words, the context of this passage is that God will bless and increase your harvest, but only if you plow, sow, and water your field. Huh. Here's what we do. We put in our tithe, and we go home and wait. Yeah. No plowing in the field. Yeah. Just wait. Sitting around, I've get, I gave my tithe, my barns are any day, and expecting something to drop out of heaven. And it, it's, it's almost like we think that the promise of blessing is something that God does supernaturally rather than in response to your labor. You see, some of us have been expecting increase but haven't given God anything to increase. Looking at this passage of Scripture in, in uh, Genesis 26, as we talked about last Sunday, this dude, Isaac, the famine hits the land. He goes to Gerar. He's on his way down to Egypt. God speaks to him and says, stop. In verse 2 of Genesis 26, God says, don't go to Egypt. Live where I tell you to live. Stay where I tell you to stay. Matter of fact, right where you are here in Gerar, just stay here for a while, and I'm going to bless you. And then you get to verse 12, and it says, so Isaac sowed and reaped a hundredfold in the same year. And the interesting thing, and I said last week that Isaac reaped a hundredfold because he sowed where God told him to sow. Yeah. But actually, let me correct myself. Because if you read Genesis 26, God never told him to sow. God just told him to stay. Huh. You listening to me? Yeah. God never told him to sow. God just told him to stay. His faith told him to sow. God told him to stay, and his faith told him to sow. Here's Isaac's concept. If God wants me to stay, he must want me to sow. His faith told him to sow. God said he was going to bless me. If God said he's going to bless me, he must expect me to sow something that he can bless. Now watch this. Some of you are at a job simply because God told you to stay there, but you're not sowing nothing. You're just staying. You'll stay, but you won't sow. I'm not leaving because God told me I can't leave, but I'm not sowing either. I'm just going to do the bare minimum to get by. Yeah. Just enough not to get fired. But Isaac says, if God told me to stay, he must want me to sow. Yeah. If God told me to stay, he must have something for me to do here. Yeah. If God told me to stay, there must be a field that he wants me to plow. Yeah. If God told me to stay... He's got something that he wants to bless, and if he's got something that he wants to bless, there must be something 
that I'm supposed to sow. Some of you are staying with your spouse simply because God told you to stay. And you're not sowing anything into the future of your relationship. You're not making any effort to make things better. It's just, well, God wants me to stay, and divorce is not of the Lord, so I guess I'm just going to hang out. No, no, you need to sow. You need to expect that if God wants me to stay, then there's a field in which I'm supposed to sow. If God said stay, I'm going to stay expecting blessing. And if I stay expecting blessing, I'm going to look for an opportunity to sow. And I want you to imagine what this was like for Isaac. It's the middle of a famine. Haven't seen any rain. The ground is hard. But I got these seeds. The next day, everybody wakes up in the morning. They look outside, and here's this fool out there with a yoke of oxen and a plow. Plowing the desert. Everybody in Gerar coming to their door, looking out. Well, you see this fool? What is this fool doing? Yeah. Doesn't he know there's a famine? What is he doing? Plowing the ground? That's not doing any good. Yeah. Can you imagine the humiliation that Isaac had to be a spectacle? Yeah. Plowing the ground in the middle of a famine. Yeah. You ever try something where the people around you are looking going, that ain't going to work. You know what I'm talking about? Plowing the ground in the middle of a famine. You ever try to start something and people around you are going, who does she think she is? Plowing the ground in the middle of a famine. You ever had a a vision in your heart? You try to start a business, but the people around you are going, that's that kind of business. Nobody cares about that business. Nobody wants that. Plowing the ground. Do you know what keeps most of us from plowing the ground in the middle of a famine? It's a bubble of fear. A bubble of fear. Do you know what fear is? Fear is the anticipation of future shame. That's what fear is. Now, most of us think we fear failure. You don't feel fear. You don't fear failure. You fear what failure makes you feel. Can I say that again? You fear what failure makes you feel. You only fear failure. Because failure makes you feel shame. You fear failure because failure makes you feel shame. If you learned how to feel different about failure, you would never fear fear it. Now, now failure. Let's talk about the word failure. Because it's a big, scary, nasty word. None of us like it. And because you've elevated failure to the point where it's this big, nasty, scary monster, you've decided that you're going to try to live your life without it. And that's your problem. That's when you created the bubble of fear. Because anything that can potentially cause me to fail, got to stay away from that. This realm of potential failure, when you sense it, no, no, I better get away from here, I could fail here. And I don't like failure. And by staying away from the realm of potential failure, you're also staying away from the realm of potential success. Because the potential to succeed is only found in the context of potential failure. 
Potential failure and potential success occupy the same space. You cannot have one without the other. Secondly, failure is a prerequisite for success. You fear it because it makes you ashamed, and it should not. You know what Winston Churchill said? Success is moving from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Wow, that's good. Let me define failure in a way that just kills its power for you. Failure is lack of success. That's all it is. It simply means I didn't succeed yet. But because you feel shame around failure, it has a completely different meaning to you. Failure means I'm a horrible person, or I'm not skilled enough, or I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm stupid, stupid, or I'm not disciplined enough. That's not what it means. It simply means I haven't figured out what works yet. That's all it means. And Winston Churchill says, failure to failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm equals success. Here's why most people don't succeed. You haven't failed enough. You're living in your bubble of fear. And your bubble of fear protects you from failure, but it also protects you from success. Because if there are no stakes, there is no reward. Until you find yourself plowing a field in the middle of a famine. You haven't even stepped into the realm in which blessing is remotely possible. Unless, until you find yourself at the place where you're trying something in which you could fail miserably. You haven't even stepped into the realm in which it is possible for you to succeed extravagantly. And so you live in your bubble. Shame is the means by which you interpret a negative situation to mean something negative about yourself. Failure simply means that didn't work. Shame says, I don't work. Failure is simply, didn't figure it out yet. Shame says, I can't figure it out. I'll never figure it out. I might as well stop trying to figure it out. You haven't failed enough. You haven't failed, you haven't failed enough times hmm. to succeed. Hmm. And you haven't failed bad enough. <laughs> the worse the fall, the better. In, in, in a certain sense. <laughs> you get me right? I'm not talking about relational, moral, spiritual failure. Don't be misquoting me. <laughs> Haven't cheated on your wife enough. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about plowing a field. Yeah. Isaac had no promise that this particular field was going to pro- pro- provide him with the harvest. Yeah. God didn't tell him that. You're waiting for a bolt of lightning from heaven and for God to speak sovereignly from heaven and say, this will work on the first try. (laughs) And it doesn't work that way. But notice that Isaac had to plow the field before he sowed the seed. You see, here's what a lot of believers do. You take a promise 
Then you take your seed and you throw it out on barren ground. And then I'm standing in faith believing. And you'll spend hours interceding for that seed, but you won't spend 10 minutes plowing the ground. You got to plow the ground. What's that mean? You got to perfect your craft before you present it to the world. You got a promise and you got some faith? Well, you need to add some knowledge to your faith. You got to study. That's part of plowing the ground. If you want to make an impact in a particular field, faith is not a shortcut to success. Because, see, here's the thing. The anointing does not come on the plowing. The plowing is not supernatural. Isaac is out there with a yoke of oxen plowing barren ground in the middle of a famine. And there's no anointing on that, no power of God on that. He's not out there weeping and crying and feeling the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Ooh, I felt that. He's probably out there feeling stupid. Until you found the realm in which moving in this direction makes you feel a little stupid, you haven't found it yet. you got to feel a little stupid. That's a good thing. That means, ooh, there's a potential for failure here. That's good. Because that means there's a potential for success here. There was no anointing on the plowing, and there's no anointing on the sowing. You don't feel the power of God the moment you start your business. You know where the anointing came? Not on the plowing, not on the sowing, not on the watering. It came on the harvest. When the harvest came, he walked out to his field, and it said he reaped 100-fold. You know what 100? It was 100x. Meaning that if he expected five pieces of fruit on this vine, there were 500. If he expected 50, there were 5,000. If he expected 100, there were 10,000. All of the sudden, out of nowhere it seemed. There's no way to extrapolate that from the plowing and the sowing. That is the blessing of God. So you got to plow your field. And then you got to sow your seed. And then you got to water. But you also have to accept the possibility that you plowed the wrong field or you sowed the wrong seed or you put the wrong kind of water on it or you did so at the wrong time. And that's why it failed. And you know what you do when it fails? You say, Lord, show me the right field. And you know what you do? You find another field. Or maybe you plow the same field again. You go back to the plowing. But what you don't do is just accept mediocrity and inflate your bubble of fear and say, I found a way to live on minimum wage. I think I'm just going to live there for the rest of my life. I've got a 401k. And I've got uh, Social Security. Hopefully, it'll still be there by the time I'm 65. <laughs> Probably not, but if it's there, it'll give me 1500 a month. I'm not saying it's wrong to live there. 
I'm not saying to have that experience is ungodly or unrighteous. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying you should be ashamed of yourself unless you make a certain amount of money. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying you need to believe for something more. I'm saying it's not your destiny. It's not who you are. I'm saying that your kingdom reality is something far greater. You're a son or a daughter of the king of kings and lord of lords, and the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. I'm saying that it's God's desire to bless you. But for so long, we've lived with this faulty understanding of blessing. That all I got to do is give my tithes and offerings and then go home and wait. And when it doesn't come, I know what I got to do. I got to double down on the tithe. I got to double down on the offering. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bad-mouthing the tithe or the offering either. We give our tithes and offerings. We're very, very careful to give our tithes and offerings. That's important to us. But I'm looking for the field in which God desires for me to sow. Now, one, one particular field for me is music. 25, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I started recording my first album. Actually, a little about 24 years ago. I started recording my first album. So excited about it. Had all these songs that I'd written. I was working with this engineer and going into the studio with him, and we spent, you know, months and months and months working, and we recorded a number of songs. It was okay. The quality was okay. I wasn't completely satisfied, but, you know, for my first project, I thought, this is great. And in the middle of it, I knock on his door one day, and there's no answer. Find out that he moved out of the country, and he took all of my stuff. And this is the old days where we were recording on those big, um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, those big, basically a humongous cassette tape. So it was, it was fi- these were physical tapes that we were recording on too. And he had all of my junk. And so I was so discouraged because all of those months, we were, we were doing 5 a.m. Uh, recording sessions. Some, we did a couple that were midnight to 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. I mean, it was like we, we, there was a lot of sacrifices that went into this, a lot of plowing and a lot of sowing and a lot of watering the ground. And so I moped around for a couple of years, and then another friend of mine said, hey, let's, let's, let's work on your project together. And so he and I worked on it for months and months and months. And then he moved. <laughs> And, you know, we finished five or six tracks, but honestly, it wasn't, I didn't blame him for moving. I mean, you know, people move. That's just part of life. I could have released those six tracks, but I just wasn't satisfied with the quality of it. And it wasn't his fault. It was just, uh, just, uh, wasn't quite there. And so I just, I did nothing with it. I mean, all of those months for nothing. And I'm talking about in the process, I bought equipment and, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, because that's, that's my my problem is, I think, if I just spend more money on it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all I got to do is throw some money at the thing, and that's doing something. No. And so many years went by, and every four or five years, I would grab my computer, and I would start, you know, laying some tracks down, and it never sounded right. It never sounded good, and I would make a little demo, and, but I would never put it out, and it took me more than 20 years. Finally, in August of 2019, we were on our sabbatical, and I visited Shiloh Church in Oakland. 
And, you know, I mean, we were just visiting different churches on Sundays just to worship. I was by myself. I think my wife was out of the country at the time. After the service was over, they did the altar, but I was just sitting there in the middle, and I was just worshiping and seeking God. And then I got up and left. But I got outside, and I thought, I should at least shake the pastor's hand and introduce myself. So I went to the front to wait for the pastor. He was talking to somebody else. And this older woman walks up to me, and she, an older black woman. And she looked at me. She goes, you. I said, oh, no, 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 I'm waiting for the pastor. She goes, no, 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 you're waiting for me. <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am, I'm waiting for you. <laughs> she said, the moment I laid eyes on you, God gave me a word for you. I said, Lord, if you want me to give him the word, bring him to the altar. After church, you sat there and worshiped. I kept praying, Lord, bring him to the altar. You got up and left. I said, Lord, bring him to the altar. You came back in, and now you're at the altar. You're here for me. I said, yes, I am. She said, this is what the Lord says. I put music inside of you. And not only have I put music inside of you, but I've given you an, an anointing to lead my people in worship and to bring them to a deeper place in my presence. But you're not doing nothing with it. And this is what the Lord says. It's time. I said, yes, Lord. But I still don't know what to do. Every time I try, I fail. Every time I put my stuff together, it's whack. I'm just being honest. And I know it's whack because I play it for my wife and she'd be like, it's whack. <laughs> and that is an incredibly important part because all we want around us are yes men to tell us that everything we do is awesome. And that's why we never do anything awesome because we, get, we hire our friends to convince us that we're already awesome. That way we don't have to actually pursue excellence in anything. And so I prayed for a year, and then the pandemic hit. And during the pandemic, the Lord gave me two ideas. One was to hire somebody else to do the instrumentation. And I had a buddy, and I called him up. I'm like, do you do this? He goes, yeah, I'll do it. And he did the instrumentation for one track. I thought, this is amazing. And so then I added the vocals, and I tried to mix and master it, and it was whack. <laughs> so I was talking to another friend. He goes, you need to hire an engineer to mix and master it. He gave me the name of an engineer, and I hired the guy. He mixed and mastered it, and it was out of control. It was so much better than anything I could have ever imagined. All I needed were these two people, these two pieces that I didn't understand, that I was trying to fill that gap myself. But had I not gotten up from the many failures over the many years, I never would have discovered what I needed. Right. And then my friend John calls me this past May. He calls me on May 1st. Benjamin, where's your music at? Oh, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's. <laughs> it's, no, 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 no. Where's your music at? Well, you know, it needs a lot. He goes, I don't want to hear that. You need to put your album out by June 1st. I said, well, you, John, you just don't understand what it takes. You know, I hadn't put anything out yet. He goes, you just don't understand what it takes, man. You know, he goes, I don't want to hear it. Benjamin, you keep sending us these little demos, and, and it sounds great, so put something out. <laughs> and I was like, but you don't know what it'll take. He goes, yeah, well, you know what it'll take, so do what it'll take. Get it out by June 1st. And he just really challenged me and lit a fire under me. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes somebody around you who loves you to say, do it, do it now. Yeah, yeah. Stop fooling around. Stop playing. Stop sitting on your haunches. Get out of your bubble. Yeah. 
And so two days ago, my first gospel album was released. Praise the Lord. And it's on Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon Music. And so you just put my name in there in the search engine. It'll come up. And why don't you just download that right now, everybody? Just put it on repeat. The, the point I'm making, and, and by the way, it could do nothing. I'm not saying I'm going to win a Grammy. One of the biggest problems is that what we're pursuing is this elusive result yep. yeah. instead of the product. You're imagining yourself on the podium getting your gold medal instead of imagining yourself in the pool doing every lap. You're not imagining the race. You're imagining the podium. Stop imagining the podium. It's not about the podium. It's not about the gold medal. It's not about getting a Grammy. It's not about getting a stellar award. It's not. You're imagining millions instead of imagining work. you got to imagine the field. Imagine plowing the straight lines. What does a straight line look like for you? Imagine that every night. We're focused on a result, and that's why we get discouraged, because I'm thinking I'm going to put out music, and it's going to go multi-platinum in a week. And then when it doesn't go multi-platinum, my, my album didn't even go wood. <laughs> you know what? I knew I was a failure. Where's my bubble at? <sighs> Pump up my bubble of fear. I'm not putting out no more music because nobody cares about my music. Nobody going to listen to No. God's put so much greatness in you. What's the next level for you? I don't know what it is. I don't know if you're an entrepreneur or a creative or a, a consultant or an author or an artist, a model, a writer, a screenwriter. An investor? But what God wants to do today is pop your bubble. Break you out of the bubble. You've been in this bubble of fear. He wants to take you out of that realm of fear, fear of shame. What is it? Isaiah 61 something. Instead of shame, my people shall receive a double portion and inherit blessing in the land. I want you to say that with me. Instead of shame, of shame my people shall receive a double portion, receive a double portion and, inherit and inherit blessing in the land. Instead of shame, Instead of shame my people shall receive a double portion, receive a double portion and, inherit and inherit blessing in the land. He didn't say instead of failure. He said instead of shame. He didn't say everything you try is going to work. He said, even if it doesn't work, you're not going to succumb to shame. You're not going to feel shame. You know what? You should be more proud of yourself than ever when you try something that fails. Good. Get up and try something else. And learn lessons from your failure. Learn, one of the biggest problems, we don't learn lessons. We just think, my only lesson is i got to believe harder next time. No, you need to learn something. Read a book. Hire a coach. Come out of your prayer closet and and listen to a podcast, for God's sake. (laughs) Go through a process of learning, discovering. God will bless it. God will bless you. 
God's blessing resides upon you. God's favor resides upon you. But you've got to break out of your bubble of fear. You've been living as the bubble boy or the bubble girl. You've just accepted your lot in life. This is just where I am. This is just who I am. This is just what I got, and I should be content. And you know what? Yes, godliness with contentment is great gain. But as Pastor Mike Perkinson says, we should be satisfied yet seeking. Wherever I am, I'm satisfied with God, but I'm also pressing toward the mark of the high calling in Jesus Christ. I'm reaching for the next level by, while thanking God for everything at this level. And that's really the hard part, isn't it? Yeah. Is staying on that line yeah. where I continue to be thankful for where I am, yeah. but yet hungry for where I'm going. Yeah. And if you can do both of those things, you never have to be discouraged. Well, no, no, no. Sometimes you will be discouraged. We don't want to elevate failure or discouragement to the place where you're never supposed to experience it. Sometimes you're disappointed. That's, that's human, that's part of life. That's, yeah. that's just human life. But here's how you handle discouragement. Here's how you handle disappointment. You go, I'm kind of disappointed about that. Okay, let's move on. What's next? Yeah. That failed. Okay, let's move on. What's next? You know, that wasn't what I expected. Okay, let's move on. What's next? God, where are we going? Yeah. That's how I would like my daughter to live. That's how God would like his children to live. Yeah. Always anticipating that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. And that in all things, he's working for your good because you love him and you're called according to his purpose. He's got good for you. And one of the things that I find is, you know, one of my, my life motto is to help people draw closer to Christ and move forward in life. And what I find is that by and large, believers can only do one or the other. Wow. You got the super spiritual believer who just wants to pray 18 hours a day, but the whole rest of their life has fallen apart. Wow. And then you got the super successful believer who's going to go out there and change the world and start 18 businesses, but they don't have two scriptures to rub together. But do you know that you can draw closer to Christ and move forward in life yeah. without compromising the other? Yeah. Today, the message is simple. What's preventing you from prospering is the bubble of fear, mm. fear of failure. And God wants to break you free from that fear of failure, that bubble of fear. Mm. And next week, we're going to finish this series with this simple truth. Isaac prospered continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. What prevents you from continuing to prosper often is greed. Fear prevents you from beginning and continuing. Wow. But greed stops you from getting all the way to where God would have wow. you to be. And next Sunday, we're going to finish with that. But today, just break out of that bubble of fear. Amen. Bow your heads and let's pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you today that you have not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear but of love and of power and of soundness of mind. Lord, what we tend to do is dichotomize. We tend to spiritualize. So we take every promise in the scriptures, and it only has a spiritual meaning, a spiritual interpretation. But Lord, your promises are not just for our spirit. Your promises are for our body, for our jobs, for our families, for our life in the world. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would just pop that bubble today. Yeah. Break your people out of that spirit of fear. That bubble of fear. I can't fail. I can't fail. And so we've elevated fa uh, failure. We've elevated so high, made it this nasty monster that we've got to run from all of our lives. But Lord, today we want to take failure down from that throne. It's not something we should run from. It's not something we should avoid like the plague. It's something that we're going to just walk through again and again and again. And each time we walk through it, we get closer to that breakout place, closer to that victory place. Father, break shame. Destroy shame. Destroy shame. That's all we fear. We fear the anticipation of shame. I'm going to fail, and then I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to fail, and then people are going to look at me and see that I'm a failure. I'm going to fail, and then I'm going to feel stupid. Lord, just break that bubble of shame right now. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Instead of shame, my people shall receive a double portion and inherit blessing in the land. Instead of shame, my people shall receive a double portion and inherit blessing in the land. Out of the blessing and the increase, then you're going to honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your harvest. That's going to come, but it's going to come out of your increase. Out of your increase. Out of your increase. That's why the Lord has destined you for greater prosperity. Because greater prosperity be, brings the, a greater ability to give and to be generous. God wants to bless you. God has blessing in store for you. But it starts when you break out of that bubble of fear. That bubble of fear. Holy Spirit, I pray for boldness. I pray for boldness. The boldness of Peter to get out of the boat and walk on water. Instead of staying dry, staying safe. Teach us to find our safety in you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. I pray that you'd begin to inspire. Inspire. Lord, there's businesses in this room. Not only in this room, outside. Not only outside in SF. Not only in SF, online. There's businesses locked up on the inside of you. There's books locked up on the inside of you. There's songs locked up on the inside of you. There's art locked up on the inside of you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Holy Spirit, I speak your blessing. I speak strength and encouragement over each one. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Did this encourage you today? Are you inspired? I want to see some great failures this week. We should just brag about it. Just brag about it. I tried it. It didn't, didn't work. Here's what I'm going to do now. I worked on it. It fell apart. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to keep moving forward. Break that treaty with mediocrity. Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I bless your people today, today with strength, with encouragement, with inspiration, and with great joy. In Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name.
Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise.